Our scripture reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Please stand for the reading of God's word. This is Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nation, and Nation the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azer, and Azer the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Akim, and Akim the father of Eliad, and Eliad the father of Eliezer, and Eliezer the father of Matan, Matan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were fourteen generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, fourteen generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to Christ, fourteen generations. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. This is uh, one of the reasons why expository preaching does not always mean going verse by verse. (laughs) Imagine going verse by verse through uh, chapter 1, from verse 1 to verse 17. You could have a 17-week series on this chapter. Uh, These genealogies are their own type of literature. And you have to understand their purpose. Going through one of Paul's letters, verse by verse, particularly Galatians or Romans, that's a great thing to do. And I've done it myself, and I'll probably do it again. Other parts of the Bible are stories, and you have to tell the story. This is a genealogy. So what kind of uh, literature is this? What kind of genre is this? Genealogies have a purpose. Uh, They are not a record of names. They are a selection of names uh, for a purpose, to tell a story a backstory, very often, to the events that will unfold 
after the uh, genealogy. And so you have to look at them really quite carefully to spot the message. Uh, Some people say they're a bit like a pedigree or CV or resume. I personally prefer to say they are a message. That is, uh, to me it seems they're like a storyboard uh, that uh, movie makers put together before they shoot a movie. There are scenes that are on this storyboard, pictures, selections from the story. As they're preparing uh, to shoot the movie, they create the storyboard. And you see here, each name represents a particular scene in the story. Each name represents a, a story itself, a smaller part of the larger story. There are reasons why some names are there and why other names are not there. It's intended to be a backstory uh, for the next sequence of events that will unfold after the genealogy. Now, you can see this in many different uh, places in the Bible where there are genealogies. You can see this by the very first genealogy in the Bible, for instance. Uh, This takes place in Genesis, the book of Genesis, which gets its name from the word genealogy. And that first genealogy in the Bible is, in fact, the genealogy of the heavens and the earth. Uh, So when we say that genealogy select names for a story, we're not saying they make mistakes. Uh, Genealogy means origin or beginning It's not the family tree in a literal sense. That's a big mistake. Genealogies uh, include adoptions. Uh, They include leveret marriages. Uh, That's where a father uh, dies. Uh, Then the brother uh, would marry the wife to preserve the family. It's not a literal genetic heritage. So we have to interpret them uh, by the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. And I think that's partly why Paul said, don't get obsessed by genealogies. We want to understand what this has to say about the gospel. One other illustration of how genealogies have a purpose before we see the purpose of this particular genealogy. The second genealogy in the Bible has a great number of names, and people have tried to calculate uh, timing from it. Uh, Ages are given for the length of the life of this great list of names. But the point of that genealogy is not timing. The point is the phrase that in that genealogy is repeated over and over again. When you read it, it comes like a drumbeat, and then he died, and then he died, and then he died. And so in that genealogy, Genesis is saying, we're living in a post-fall world, and he died. Except for one in that genealogy, the famous Enoch, who did not die. And so there, there is a message of hope, a single star twinkling in the inky black night sky. He did not die, 
And so there's hope for us in this post-fall world. Well, what about the purpose of this particular genealogy in Matthew? Uh, Some people say that purpose is revealed by the number 14. Matthew tells us that he's arranged his genealogy into three sections of 14. And so people say, what is the significance of that number? And one answer is that uh, David, in Hebrew, is given the number 14. And so they say Matthew is emphasizing that uh, Jesus is royal in the line of King David. Now, certainly the kingdom of heaven is a key theme in Matthew's gospel as a whole. Jesus' first sermon is, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he tells many parables answering the question, what the kingdom of heaven is like. And there's also a strong theme of Jesus' authority in Matthew that connects to this kingdom royal rule of Jesus, his teaching authority which is a central part of what the Sermon on the Mount is about, that he taught as one who had authority, like a king. And the authority that uh, has been given so that we're sent now by Jesus to take his message to all nations, making disciples of him. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. And so this kingly emphasis is uh, very much there, plus Matthew is a very Jewish gospel, they say. He's writing particularly uh, for Jewish ears originally. And so this emphasis on King Jesus in the line of King David makes sense. Well, certainly that Jesus is the son of David is important, but according to Matthew, it is just as important that he is the son of Abraham. Now, I I think the message here is more revealed by some of the strange omissions from the list, names that are not there, and the strange inclusions, names that are there that may surprise you. You have to look, in other words, at the storyboard itself and imagine the backstory that each of these scenes represent. And as you do, I think you see not so much a theme of power or authority though Jesus does have that royal authority, but more the kind of king and the kind of ruler he is. This is the one who has come to make all the wrongs right. And that is why you see Babylon and the exile to Babylon is so central to this genealogy. Babylon was a great shame and scandal. God's people have been sent into exile. Great shame, a great scandal. Well, Matthew's saying Jesus has come to make it right. Whatever scandal there may be in the family history, Jesus can make it right. He is the king, but he's also the savior. But before I show you these unique elements here, the storyboard that uh, reveal this message about Jesus as the Savior King, I need to answer some of the typical problems people have with this genealogy intellectually. The Bible is not a book for simpletons only. (laughs) Some preaching I hear makes me think that God is asking us to be dumb and dumber. There's nothing wrong with having questions, and perhaps you come this morning knowing I was going to preach on this genealogy and you have questions about it. And that's okay. 
If you do not ask questions, you will not find answers. Now, some of the questions are already answered by understanding the kind of literature that a genealogy is. It is a selection for a purpose. So son of, then, does not always mean direct descendant. It has a broader meaning than that. Forbear. It can include adoption or legal inheritor to the royal throne. So Jesus, the son of David. But there were many generations between Jesus and David and between David and Abraham. Now I'll come to the particular omissions for this list uh, here, the names that are not here in a moment. But the other problem here that is not immediately answered by just understanding that the first genealogy was of the heavens and earth. And so this is not always a literal or physical descendant. And the other uh, problem is a comparison with Luke's genealogy. People notice that in one section there are very few names that overlap. And numerous answers have been given to this, and you could read all about it in the various books. But the best answer is simply to realize that Luke and Matthew have different purposes. Matthew is writing to the Jewish people who wanted to know that Jesus truly had a legal claim to the royal throne of David. And so Matthew provides the answer that Jesus does have that royal legal claim to the throne of David. Luke is writing to Gentiles who are more interested in Jesus' biological forebears. And so when the legal and the biological overlap, they are the same. And when they do not, they are different. You also have to realize that both Matthew and Luke are careful to show that something pretty unusual is going on here. The way that Matthew phrases the birth of Jesus in verse 16 is different from the other births. As he will tell us, this is a virgin birth in the sense that Mary was a virgin and Joseph was not Jesus' physical father. So there's an adoption element even there. It probably is true, because Jews were meant to marry in their tribes, that Mary also was of the line of David, but the genealogy in both places is traced through Joseph who neither Matthew nor Luke nor any Orthodox Christian believe as his physical father. Let me put it like this. You can be someone's physical father but not be their real father. And you can be their real father without being their physical father. And so the so-called problem of Jesus' grandparents being different from Luke to Matthew, it disappears once you realize that Matthew and Luke have these different purposes and adoption, and leveret marriage, and legal inheritance are all the way through the genealogy as real and true descendants. Now, before I list the four unique elements of this genealogy that reveal its message of Jesus as our Savior King, let me quickly deal with the last problem that some people have with Matthew's genealogy. They wonder whether he counted right. Whether in 14 generations, whether to help memorize the list or for some numerological significance. But they wonder whether actually the last 14 is only 13. I I think uh, Schweitzer had the right answer here, though I probably don't agree with him on everything. 
To begin with, you have to realize how cultures count varies, whether it is inclusive counting or exclusive. But this does not answer the problem here because then Matthew would have to vary his method of counting from one section to another, which seems a little bit unlikely. No, I think Jeconiah, verse 11, is rightly counted twice, he's listed twice, because it refers to two different people. Jeconiah is also known as Jehoiakim. By the way, that's another reason why we cannot sneer at these genealogies. Several of the figures here have different names by which they were known. And Josiah, his father, had a son called Jehoiakim, who was the father of Jehoiakim, or Jeconiah. Some people think Matthew just confused the names, understandably enough, I would say. Or that a later scribe did. But in 2 Kings 24, verse 6, in the Greek version, which would have been the version Matthew used, Jehoiakim and Jehoiakim are both called Jehoiakim. They were Jehoiakim senior and junior, I suppose you could say. Matthew uses the alternative Jeconiah of them both, and that is your extra generation. And now perhaps you can see why Paul tells Titus not to let people become obsessed by genealogies. They are more complicated than at first they might seem. But they have a message. And the message of this one is that Jesus is the Savior King. This is revealed in four omissions, four names, uh, four omissions and emphases in the list. Here they are. One, the women. There are four women listed here, and it's very unusual because women were not thought at the time to provide legal authority. So that itself is very unusual. And the way Matthew writes, he he underlines that he's deliberately including these four women. But they're not just any kind of women. They are the most controversial women you could find (laughs) Tamar, well, she uh, seduced her father-in-law. Rahab, well, she was a prostitute. Ruth was a foreigner, uh, not uh, uh, Jewish. And, of course, uh, Uriah's wife, well, that's Bathsheba the one uh, with whom uh, King David committed adultery. Now, it's very clear what Matthew is saying. Yes, Jesus is king. Yes, he has authority. What kind of king is this? He's a savior. And so the marginalized, the oppressed, the foreigner, the women. Matthew's genealogy is the DNA that defeats legalism. 
And then we have uh, the missing generations. From uh, Joram to Isaiah, there are three missing generations. And not just any people, they are kings indeed. Now, why is that? Well, Jonathan Edwards describes the reason like this. Here, three generations are omitted that descended from Athaliah, the daughter of Jezebel. They are Ahaziah and Joash and Amaziah, all not in this list, kings. Thus, God has been pleased to censure that wicked woman and the sin of Jehoram in marrying her to the fourth generation, they being blotted out of the records of Christ's family and omitted as if they had never been. Thus the name of the wicked rots. So, if the inclusion of the four women tells us that Jesus is Savior of sinners, the exclusion of the three generations of kings, that tells us that however powerful However royal, however wealthy, the wicked will not stand unless they repent. Rahab was a prostitute, but she trusted God and saved the spies of Jericho. Ruth was a a foreigner outside of the covenant of God's people, but she bound herself too. God's people by faith. Wicked kings, powerful people, be assured Jesus is the Savior, but He is also the King. And you must repent if you are to be saved. And then there is Manasseh. And why is he there? Those who disagree with the previous interpretation as to why those three kings are omitted, well, they point to Manasseh. You see, Manasseh was a truly evil king whose name remains in the record. What do we say about that? Well, Manasseh was indeed a bad man, but he repented. In his distress, he sought the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. So he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. Perhaps you are a Manasseh. You have done terrible things. You are suffering the consequences. It's not too late. The story is not over. Humble yourself. Turn to God. He will hear your plea. Well, the fourth and uh, final 
element here that reveals with this storyboard, reveals the backstory that points to Jesus as the Savior King. The fourth and final element here, which is emphasized by Matthew in this genealogy, deliberately to tell this story to us, the backstory to point to Jesus, is the exile itself, the deportation, the exile to Babylon. Of course, this is a big emphasis here that Matthew has. How would God bring his people back from Babylon? And having brought them back, how would he bring Babylon out of his people? The Savior King, Jesus the Christ. See, perhaps you're wondering that. Perhaps you're looking around at God's people with all their compromise and occasional good intentions. And how can God bring them out of their exile? What it is an unexpected story. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So here he is, little babe. Him? A king? There he is, great king. Him? Come for me? A a woman? A sinner? A bad man? Him. Why do I have to follow him? I, I can do whatever I like and still keep my good name. Let the message of the storyboard of the genealogy speak to you. Jesus is the Savior King. For Tamar, for Rahab, for Ruth, for Uriah's wife, For Manasseh, for the exiled people, if you repent. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for Jesus the Savior King. Father, some of us have heard uh, his story uh, so many times that uh, we are almost immune. We skate through Christmas happily enough and miss the opportunity for uh, life And hope. We think that uh, Jesus could not be uh, for us. 
Father, some of us are so immune to the, uh, the gospel story because we think there are so many mistakes in the Bible and, and lists like the genealogy are so obviously just made up and fake. Do you help us to realize that uh, that is not the case, that they are true and designed by uh, your Spirit to speak a message to the broken, that they might be healed, to the arrogant, that they might be humbled, to the wicked, that they might repent. Father, uh, some of us uh, uh, come to this story with fresh ears. It's almost as if it's all new. We want this kingdom. Would you help us by your spirit to live as people under the King Jesus? Would you um, use us for your glory to advance that kingdom this Christmas time in our families, in our churches? in Wheaton, and all around the world. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.